0: Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And Dak is back. The Sens RFA goaltender has signed a three-year contract, and there is an extremely interesting note about it. We'll get Pillsy's take on what that is. Coming up, we also have our Sens Central Citizen Saturdays. It's Alex Metzger. He joins us to tell you why Andreas Athenasiou is the perfect fit for this Ottawa team going forward. We also have confirmation of North Dakota's schedule. We'll get into all that. And Eugene Melnick has the top selling fragrance in Sweden and South Korea. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. Today is Saturday, October 17th, and the structure of Joey Decord's contract, Pilsy, it screams future NHLer.
2: You just love to see it. Our guy, Joey Decord, in the mix for another three seasons. And this isn't just your standard three-year deal. There's some really interesting nuggets here, so let's get into it. First year, 700k NHL, 175k in the AHL. Second year, 750k NHL, 200k AHL. And third year, 800K NHL one-way only. And we've seen the one-way only deal before in a goalie contract, Marcus Hogberg. And what that says to me is they have a timeline and they have a plan for what they're expecting Joey Decord's development to be. Two more years in Belleville, and they expect him to be ready to come up to the NHL. And I think that's a perfect projection.
1: It's amazing, especially the development, thinking that this is a goalie who started last year and played 12 games at the East Coast level. He was stuck in a situation where Hogberg was still in Belleville, as was Philip Gustafson, the tandem from the year before. They just went with the familiarity there, Joey coming out, getting that taste of NHL hockey. Don't forget he made his debut in Buffalo towards the end of that 2018 season. But then starting the year with some... Um, you know, that's not easy for a guy coming out of a, a cushy situation and not because he went to Cushing Academy, but Arizona State, pretty nice spot to be playing ice hockey and then going to Brampton. Wow, a world of difference. And then working his way up. He plays twenty-one, twenty-four 24 games in Belleville, has a 15, six and three record. And there is the one part of this contract, though, where you have to consider Seattle. And what's going to be available. Matt Murray's going to be the only goalie protected by Ottawa. Do you think that maybe adding that one way at the, at the third year is their way of making it harder for Seattle to want to take him, knowing that they would have to give him that opportunity?
2: Uh, maybe a little bit. To, to be honest, I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective. My whole uh, thinking for the one way was to show Joey that this is where we're expecting to see you and we're going to reward you. Once you get there, similar to the Hogberg situation, right? Like Hogberg was in this organization forever before he got a chance to get to the NHL and he proved himself at the NHL. So they gave him that one way deal on the second part of his two way extension. So I think that's what's happening with Joey here. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, with the expansion draft and who gets exposed and who they keep because there's a lot of good goalies in this pipeline.
1: There's going to be a lot of expansion draft talk. That's more of a rainy day, but Pierre Dorian, man, thank you so much, Pierre. Every single day, there is a signing. And we will get, we haven't even mentioned Rudy Balsers. Red Light Rudolph got signed to a one-year. But let's stick with Joey for now, friend of the show, goalie-friendly show. And with Joey getting that three-year deal, they're also showing him a bit of money at the AHL level because in the first year of this contract, his AHL salary is 175000 contract that to Rudy Balser's 70000 So that is a good amount more than in the second year of the contract. It's another two-way deal, 300000 at the AHL level. You love to see the confidence they're showing in Dak, and we've talked about it. You know just from watching him, his dad's a goalie coach. He is so positionally sound. He's a guy who just needs reps before he's going to be an NHL goalie. Of all the Sens prospects, he projects as safely as an NHL starter, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I don't know about starter, but definitely he can play at the NHL level, I would say, is definitely a projection for Joey Decord. And I, I think it goes to show you the faith that they have in Joey Decord, because I think what they're saying with those high, high AHL salaries, like like you said, Rudolph Balser's AHL salary is only 70k, which... I don't think he's going to be spending much time in Belleville, so that's why there's not a big push there. But they're expecting Joey Decord to be the starting goalie for Belleville for the next two seasons, I would say. I think he's got the leg up on Gustafson so far, and they want to give Gustafson a little more time, probably in a a backup role, to get his confidence back. But when you're shouldering the load of being a starting goaltender and you know that's where you're going to be, Joey wants a little bit of security knowing I'm not going to I'm not gonna lose out on a lot of lost dollars. So they're making it known that he's still going to get paid down there in Belleville. That's a nice contract for Joey.
1: Hey, stick taps to Joey Decourt. He'll be the first to tell you, 199th overall, his boy Tom Brady, same draft position. But that was way back in 2015. You know what? He was coming off being the captain at Cushing Academy. Yes, the tendy being captain, you love to see it. But then he plays a year in Muskegon, I don't know, in the USHL. Then he goes to Arizona State, a brand new program. He gets three wins in 15 games. Then he gets eight wins in 32 games. That's got to be hard on your confidence. And then what does he do? He puts up a 926 save percentage. is one of the best goalies in the entire NCAA and wins 21 of 35 games on a a beautifully surprising season for Arizona State. So you look at the trajectory, Pilsy. The sky's the limit for this kid.
2: Absolutely. And, like, I I feel confident in saying he put ASU on the map for hockey. Like, him and Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker was a big part of that, too. I forget where he ended up or uh, if he got drafted. But he was one of the studs there, too. And those two players, they had a tear of a season. And they really put ASU hockey into serious conversations. The Sun Devils. So, good on Joey. Everywhere he goes, he seems to only improve and and show that he's capable of elevating his game. And he showed that in Belleville, that's for sure. Like he, uh, make no mistake, my thinking is the Sens' plan was to leave him in Brampton for a full season, see what they got from him. But those injuries happened to Nielsen and Anderson causing Hogberg to move up. And then that chain effect brought Joey up. And then Joey, he said, I'm not really feeling Brampton anymore. I'm going to stay here in Belleville. And that's what he did. <laughs>
1: You can hear Milo loves the signing. Who Joey will be playing with in Belleville is Rudy Balsers, your boy, locked up, one-year, two-way contract. How many games do you think he plays in
2: Belleville? Any? It's going to be interesting. Before I make a statement on that, we're going to have to see what more moves Dorian has in his pocket. right? Like If he goes and gets more veteran talent, that kind of looks like Rudy Balsers' uh, spot in the NHL is getting uh, taken away from him. I think maybe Rudy starts in Belleville, but he doesn't stay there long. If Rudolph Balsers isn't in the NHL by the trade deadline, I'd be surprised.
1: Yeah, so would I. And you look at, he had a battle. Like, I think people forget. I know I was surprised when I read it, but he was hurt in training camp with Ottawa and he missed the first like two months of the season. Yep. So to come back, battle through the way he had and be a point-of-game player in Belleville, get his taste at the NHL level. I think he played 15 games with Ottawa. You love to see them go back and bring him back. So now that only leaves a few RFAs left. The JC Baudet in Belleville. We also have Philip Schlappick, who it's going to be interesting to see what he signs for. Connor Brown, who contract negotiations are ongoing with, according to Bruce Garriock's latest. And Chris Tierney, Christian Yaros on the back end as well. But Dorian, getting business done, and you just love to see it. And we are on the same page. There's one more move up his sleeve. Um, the NCHC, where North Dakota and Omaha—shout out Johnny Taiconic—they are going to play in a bubble. But contrary to what everyone thought, it's not going to be on North Dakota's campus, Pilsy. It's going to be up in Omaha.
2: Yeah, and from what I read, uh, North Dakota was the second option. This is a smart move by college hockey. Like we've seen a lot of pro sports try to run through these COVID times. And the ones that work are the ones that do the bubble. And if you can have a couple limited teams in a bubble, it's going to work. So I think this is a good idea. And if you're the senders with four of your top prospects on UND, you're happy that A, they're, they're going to be safe. It seems like the, the bubble is going to work. The precautions are being taken. And they're going to get to continue their development in a hockey stage.
1: So here, we'll run you through some of the details. The NCHC, there's eight teams total. They're going to be divided into two divisions. You play within your division six times, so 18 total, and you play outside division twice. Now, 40 games total are going to be played in this Omaha pod, so 10 games each through the first three weeks of December. So that's 10 games in 21 days starting December 1st, and that brings you right up until Jake Sanderson, among others, hopefully Tyler Clevin, Will be joining the U.S. World Junior Team, and then after January first weekend in January, each school will play at their own building. So no more pod after Christmas. They're hoping that things are under control a little bit more that they can travel and play the rest of their schedule. So love to see North Dakota come back. We've got our sense Central Citizen to get to, but Pillsy, you don't even know this, but Sense prospects just tweeting out Vitalia Bramov two more goals today in the Liga in the first
2: period safe to say he's uh, probably a little too good for that team wow that's incredible and with the the showing that Vitalia Abramov is having over there kind of thinks maybe he like he might be taking Rudolph Balser's spot Abramov is doing
1: absolutely nothing to dispel the, the rumors that I'm hoping to create that this guy better start in Ottawa he's too talented how can you keep this guy down you look at him, he wasn't getting the best opportunities in Belleville last year because of the players who were ahead of him that were there before he was acquired by Ottawa. And what did he do? 41 points, 51 games. Like, you can't keep this guy down. He's too good for the AHL. And he's too good for the top league in Finland. One of the best leagues in the in the world. And he's making it a complete joke. He's disrespecting the entire country. Do you think, <laughs> hey, this guy had to quarantine for 14 days in a foreign country. You think he wasn't? contemplating the whole time like I am going to come out of this quarantine with a bang watching his team go 0-4 scoring six goals he's got four goals in, in a game in a period
2: yeah, and I love, uh, obviously, I'm not fluent in uh, the Finnish language, so I don't understand what the goal call, calls are, but every time the the commentator says Abramov, he says it as if he's like a unicorn, like, Abramov! Like, he's so fired up about this guy, which, why wouldn't you be? Like you said, the team was thinking to start the season. Then they get Abramov into the mixed top line, and he's lighting it up. He's scoring game winners. He's scoring two goals in the first period. Like, the offensive upside for this guy when you give him the right opportunities is incredible and I like your thinking of getting Abramov playing with Dadanov. I think that'd be such a such a sweet pairing. I don't know who plays in the middle of those guys or if Abramov is ready for top 6 minutes in the NHL, but those skill sets complement each other very nicely.
1: I'm on the record of saying Abramov, Stutzla, Dadanov, top 6 line. Let's go full full like that is relying on the kids but supporting them With a 30-year-old veteran, and then you do the same on the top line with a 27-year-old Connor Brown, with Brady Kachuk who plays like a 30-year-old vet. So, and then put whoever you want in there. Colin White, I'm expecting a big bounce back year from Colin White. But whether whatever you get from those guys, there is some room at center. So we got our hot take from Alex Metzger at NHL Sends and stuff, and go give him a follow on Twitter. Guy is dangerously close to a thousand, so let's push him over. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Send Central Citizen, Alex Metzger. All right, now we're very pleased to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Alex Metzger at NHL Sends and Stuff. He's the managing editor at Last Word on Puck, a writer for Mile High Hockey, gifts all the Sends games you need, and he's the host of the Last Word on Sends podcast. Alex, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks. we got tons to get in with you. We saw a hot take that came out on your Twitter account the other day, so we got to challenge you on that. But first, as we start with every Sens Central citizen, what are your first memories of being a Sens fan?
0: Uh, I've been a Sens fan for as long as I can remember. I'm from uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area, so um, my dad was a Habs fan, and my mom was a Leafs fan growing up, so it's... uh, I think back when, well, when I was younger, I would have been three or four years old, was the 2002-2003 kind of runs. And so Ottawa was on TV a bunch. And I think when I was younger, I just kind of pointed at the, uh, the nice 2D logo and said, that's the team I want to cheer for. So I've been a Sens fan ever since.
2: Yeah, so you got to be stoked about this uh, rebrand and New jerseys. Then, So dur- during your early days as a Sens fan, who were some of the players that you saw these guys on the ice? And you're like, oh, man, these are my guys. This is my team.
0: And Alfie's uh,
1: my, a no-brainer, so we
2: need
0: I, a
1: couple more names.
0: Yeah, my first ones were Alfie and uh, Spezza and Heatley, obviously, in that 07 run. But uh, I don't know if it's just because of the 06 video game, but Brian Smolinski was always a name that stood out to me. Nice. I saw someone tweeting about him. Like, he only had 100 games played, I think, with the Sens, but he's one that always sticks out in my he mind. He always
1: had and, the yellow synergy, didn't he? It stood yeah. out like a sore thumb.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, so, like, and Fisher and all those guys, and... You know, back in the, the 07 was really, I think, 7 08 was kind of when I really remember, like, starting to watch Senators hockey and understand somewhat what was going on.
1: Yeah, well, you hopped on in 0203 when you first saw them. That was the year they won the President's Trophy as well. Best record in the NHL was a, a game and, well, a bad two-on-one away from making the cup final against New Jersey there. Uh, and I think they would have beat Anaheim just like New Jersey did. We could say the same About 2017, we're on the record as saying if they beat Pittsburgh there, it's a five-game series against Nashville. Are you the same?
0: I've had a couple tweets like that, too. I, I don't know if it would, but it's something in my heart tells me that the way Rene was playing in those finals, that there's a very good chance Ottawa would have won. In five
2: well, and uh, unretired Mike Fisher was their number one center.
0: Yeah, like, so, I, yeah, I kind of feel the same way, whereas it would have been a good series, but I think Ottawa would have had a much better chance than most people would have given them credit for.
2: Well, only Colin
1: White left from that team, but with that, tons of additions in the offseason. What, what's your take on Dadanov? It seems like a universally beloved signing.
0: Yeah. I don't know how you can dislike this move, honestly. Like uh, the term, the price, they're both super reasonable. Like even if it doesn't work out, you know, I I saw a couple of people from Florida mentioning that he played a lot of his time with uh, Barkov, who's an amazing center and Huberto who's probably one of the most underrated players in the league right now. So he might take a step down from his numbers in Florida, but I just, I have a hard time seeing him not pot 20, 25 goals in a Sens uniform every year. And, if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, they're off the hook in three years, and it's five million. Like it's such a reasonable price. I just don't know how you can complain.
1: What do you think Hoffman signs for after seeing his teammate get that fifteen million?
0: It's got to be a one-year deal, right? Like I would assume Hoffman would probably be looking for something long-term. But like, what team's given him more than four or five million a year if that's what Dadinov signed for?
2: Problem is, like you look at let's say some of the more high goal-scoring guys in free agency, Dadinov, Hoffman, and you can even throw DeClaire in that mix, like. Dadunov has the most complete game out of all the three of those. Like, the other two guys, Declare and Hoffman, they can be streaky guys, and if they're not scoring for you, what are they doing? So I'm glad that of the three of those, the Sens locked down Dadunov.
1: Well, before we get to the, your, your hot take there at NHL Sens and stuff on Twitter, what are you thinking here for, for first-line combos for Dadnoff? Who do you want to see him play with in training
0: camp? I don't know who you put in the middle. I think there's a bunch of options, but I think, you know, I could chuck on the left wing. I mean, that seems like a a pretty easy fit, right? You get the goal scorer, the guy who likes to bang the net. And then, I don't know, I've seen a couple, a couple guys be put in between them and center. Like, I don't really know who's playing center for this team right now. (laughs) Like, I I think that's kind of one of the places where maybe you could, you could uh, see if you want to add someone yet in free agency, because, you know, you got Norris, but I don't think you're going to throw Logan Brown or Josh Norris in a number one center role, right? So, Maybe Chris Tierney starts up there for the year, and then you hope someone else can can move up and take the spot. Like,
1: well, it was interesting at TSN yesterday. The Pooley and and Gino Red on that talk, he had the sense depth chart up after the Dadnov signing, and they had Josh Norris as one C. I was like, oh wow, <laughs> you are counting a lot on him. With as you mentioned, Kachuk and Dadnov on the wing, but Pillsy, we got to challenge him on who he thinks could be a fit at center.
2: Yeah, so we talked about the newest signing, Dadanov. Apparently, according to Pierre LeBrun, Pierre Dorian is not done yet in free agency or acquiring more talent. You had an idea about one player that could come home. Why don't you tell us about this hot take, or not come home, but come to Ottawa?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I tweeted out yesterday, and I, someone said it. I think a week ago, and I kind of brushed it off at first because originally I was kind of like, yeah, like. Ottawa's got a lot of guys but then you start letting a couple guys walk it's like well they don't really have that much especially at center like they have a bunch of guys that will I think eventually come up and play center but right now it's looking pretty barren there so I tweeted out yesterday I said the more I think about it the more Andreas Athanasiu to Ottawa on a one-year deal makes sense and to me it's just like it's a fit for both sides on a one-year deal where I think it gives Ottawa some depth I think he would come in and I mean, be, be their first center probably, um, or you know, a top six guy at least, and make them better. Um, and for Alphonso, you know, he still's got a lot to prove in this league. Like he had a, I believe he had a fifty point season two seasons ago. Yeah, thirty last old. season. I mean, last season was a disaster for everyone on Detroit, but he dropped uh, twenty six points in fifty five games. So yeah. it's not like he's got nothing to prove either. So I, I don't know. I could see it working on a one year deal where. If both sides work, you know maybe a Declare kind of situation hits on the first year where you know he finds his game again. Then you either look for you know what what do you see in him long term, or if it doesn't work and he wants out, flip him at the uh, the deadline. Get you know in the second. I think he went for two seconds this year. If he could get anything like that next year for half a year, I, I think I would be ecstatic with that.
1: Wow, what a tough move by Edmonton because he got hurt after only nine games uh, with the Oilers. So only nine games played. He averaged twelve minutes per. But, man, he's not only coming from Edmonton in terms of his play, but that plus-minus looks like the weather on a January evening up there. Minus 46 on the season. But playing with Detroit, it's, uh, it's not easy to be a plus player no matter who you are. I don't think Pavel Datsuk would have been a plus player on last year's Detroit Red Wings. Pilsy, what do you think of that potential move?
2: I like it because I think it's, uh, it's a good idea to try to replace a lot of the attributes that Declair had, right? Speed, goal scoring. That's what you're missing with Declare leaving. And sure, Dadnov can score goals, but he doesn't have that same speed. Athanasia later is one of the fastest guys in the league. So I think adding him to a young core and – I'm not sure where Formanton will be this year, but imagine a line with those two on the same line. Like nobody's catching those guys.
1: Just don't put Tierney in the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or Logan Brown. Yeah. That's not a good call. <laughs> Seriously. Uh.
1: Well, Alex Matzker, you can follow him on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. you got the last word on sends podcast. I did believe the M podcast as well. So love listening to you there. And we're going to be following along all the hot takes as we get closer and closer, hopefully to send hockey. It's only been 220 days. So what's another hundred? Thanks so much for being a Send central citizen, man. We'll talk to you
0: down the road. Thanks for having me guys. This was a blast.
1: Shout out to Alex for joining us. Love that. uh, It was funny. He joined Twitter same time as we did at send central. And uh, funny enough, we're like each other's one of our first followers. So it's like a long lost romantic dream where you finally get to put a face to the Twitter name, but shout out to Alex for love having him on and a great take. I mean, The minus 46 is a little concerning with uh, Tennessee, but he does bring a ton of offense. Pilsy Melnick in the news, and he actually sounded self-aware. It was uh, actually pretty refreshing. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's up to the reader. In this case, it was a Financial Post article. We tweeted it out at Central. but what was your big takeaway from that article?
2: Well, I would say there's three big takeaways. The first one being that uh, Melnix officially proclaimed that this team can be a Stanley Cup winner within the next four years. And just so you know, not in four years, but sometime within the next four years, he made that very clear. And you know what? Like you said, like usually his uh, media appearances are a little crazy. But when you look at the core of this team, the guys that are going to be coming up in that four-year period, it's not that crazy to think at least they're going to be a contender. So that was an interesting piece by Melnick. I think the next one you're looking at is the plan to have 6,000 fans in the seats, social distance plans, and they've got a whole uh, preparation and precaution procedure for that. And But this is the biggest one, and it's why I saved it for last. He said he's planning on building a new arena in the next five years. What?
1: Yeah, where do you think that arena is going to be?
2: Well, it's going to be in Canada, but is Yikes. is that not pointless? Like, wh- like first off, everyone—I don't—I don't think I've heard a single person who's been against the idea of other than Melnick and the mayor. I guess uh, bringing the arena downtown Ottawa—that seemed to be what the league wanted him to do, and it made the most sense. But that we all know where that went. And now they just spent six to eight million dollars on an air conditioning system at the CTC and he's gonna build a new arena next door. Like what does that solve? Building a new arena in Canada? Hey, we'll get those
1: photos. It'll just be like the iconic Yankee Stadium being built right across the street from old Yankee Stadium, like all the history of the Corell Center, the Palladium, and now we get the brand new building in the middle of an auto park in the suburbs. So Hopefully that doesn't happen, but hopefully what does is a cup within four years. And uh, yesterday on uh, Hockey Central at noon, they had Pierre Dorian on. I would implore everyone to go listen to that interview, uh, some good stuff. But uh, Anthony Stewart, before they came on, he was saying that we used to say the Sens were two years away from being two years away, but now they're just two years away. Can they compete for a playoff spot this year is what I'm wondering.
2: I think – that's that's the goal, I would say, is you wanna to try to be in that mix in the race. I don't think they're quite there yet, which is okay. They don't need to be there yet. And I want to hold judgment on my statement because I want to see how the season's gonna turn out. Like there's some crazy talks like there's gonna be an all-Canadian division, and I don't know what's gonna happen with this season. So until we see that line up, I'm not sure, but they're certainly trending in the right direction. No longer is this team tanking to try to get the best draft picks are they are they going for the cup no but now we're on the trajectory where these guys are going to start winning some games teams are going to be worried when they play the Ottawa Senators and it's going to be it's start to be fun to watch the Sens again
1: I think it was Dave Poulin who told us when we were on like the, the most important thing and we got to have Pooley back actually oh yeah one of the most important things is playing games that matter into yep. March for your group and Ottawa man and Dorian alluded to this on the interview I just mentioned on on 590 yesterday but that was the worst part of COVID is the team in Belleville didn't get an opportunity to play those hard games in the playoffs and that can really be detrimental because you see these teams grow and Syracuse a perfect example they were a wagon in the AHL they graduate all those guys to Tampa and then they start winning together there so you really look at it as a growing opportunity this year, but instead of doing it at the AHL, they're going to be playing hard games at the NHL level for these young kids. So hopefully it turns out we're excited because we're, it worked out that we got Craig Button on again. It was supposed to be on Thursday and yesterday's episode, but we ended up airing Mike Knubel. If you haven't heard it yet, go listen. He was the head coach of Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin. And then Pilsy, Monday and Tuesday, what uh, should fans expect of the Craig Button interview?
2: Oh, my God. You guys loved the first Craig Button interview. You're going to love this even more because that was mostly talking in hypotheticals leading up to the draft. Now we get into these players specifically. And if there are – I don't know how there could be any more doubters, especially after the clip we posted of Jake Sanderson. But if there are some doubters still that Jake Sanderson isn't the best defenseman from that draft class, I think Craig Button's going to clear those doubters away because his – detailed description of jake sanderson and the importance of those little things that he does right is so interesting and it just goes to show defensemen it's not all about the points you put up there's so much more that goes into these young prospects when you're looking at projections so stay tuned for that for sure
1: huge praise for robbie yarventi as well He yep. compares them to a certain second round pick that got bad reviews initially Last year for Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll be back on Monday with the Craig Button interview, and if Pierre Dorian continues his ways, we'll have plenty more roster news to talk about. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.